Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And today we have a fun pod. We are celebrating Mother's Day. We'll be talking about two movies that celebrate motherhood in different ways. And I'm excited to talk about these films. We'll be discussing Mildred Pierce and All About My Mother. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about these two movies. I really love both of them, and I feel like they're just phenomenal showcases for their actresses, but also show the types of women that our filmmakers wanted to show and how multifaceted women can be. So I really like that about both of these. And I think it's always exciting to talk about international features because so many of the films that we cover through award season and then even in our retrospectives are English language films because those are the big hits at the Oscars. So I'm really excited to dive into the Almodovar as well. So let's get started with Mildred Pierce from 1945. Description here. When Mildred Pierce's wealthy husband leaves her for another woman, Mildred decides to raise her two daughters on her own. Despite Mildred's financial successes in the restaurant business, her oldest daughter, Vita, resents her mother for degrading their social status. In the midst of a police investigation after the death of her second husband, Mildred must evaluate her own freedom and her complicated relationship with her daughter. This was directed by Michael Curtiz, and it stars Joan Crawford, Anne Blythe, Eve Arden, Zachary Scott, and Jack Carson. This won one Oscar, Best Actress for Joan Crawford, and was nominated for five others, Picture, Supporting Actress for Arden, Supporting Actress for Blythe, Screenplay, and Cinematography Black and White. This was your first time watching Mildred Pierce. What did you think of it? And what did you think of Joan's performance? I have been waiting to see this for a while. It was also on my Criterion Challenge for the year. God, it's such a great noir film. Such a wonderful performance by Joan Crawford. She's absolutely deserving for this role. Mm -hmm. It's infuriating in ways watching her have to deal with Vita. But it was a really enjoyable film. Certain aspects I could see coming. I could see like the big twist with the second daughter happening just to like add turmoil and depth to Crawford's Mildred. So yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think covering it with a focus on her playing a mother is really interesting. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny, we're talking about Michael Curtiz again. He also directed Mm -hmm. Casablanca. And, you know, in a similar way, I think, to that film... He is really this like working man's director. He doesn't really have a signature style. And here, I think what makes this movie great actually is that it is a combination of two different styles of filmmaking. So you have women's pictures, which were very popular at the time and were becoming more popular. And you had film noir. And this sort of combines the two. And it almost feels like it's two separate movies at times. And you have to kind of adjust to that throughout its runtime. So you have... This story at the beginning where we're at this beach house and you see Monty murdered. He's shot and we hear him say Mildred's name. So we have that whole story. So the murder, the noir aspect. And then we have another film sort of built into it, which is this women's film that centers Joan Crawford as a working mother. And it's so interesting because at the time, men had this great fear of working women because... When they were away at war, they started working and they feared that when they came home, women would take their jobs. They wouldn't be the same 
sort of women that they were when they worked just in the home. So this, I think, gets at some of those anxieties as well, because we can see how Mildred is as a businesswoman, how she's smart and she's willing to take charge of her own life to take care of her daughters. I completely agree. Vita is a demon. She is one of the most infuriating movie children Mm -hmm. that I've ever experienced. And what makes it worse is that she isn't... I don't think she's a caricature of a demon child. She actually feels like just this horrible, hateful person. I think she's a well-written character, and I think the performance by Anne Blythe is also really good. And at the time, you know, she wasn't used to playing women like this either, so it's sort of a twist on that. But yeah, I, I think it's a great movie, and I think that Joan Crawford really, really nails it. And gives a really, really complex performance, showing the many sides of her character as a woman. Did we have a really hateful daughter performance recently? Sadie Sink and the Whale? Yeah. Wait, yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, we just talked about this. Vita could totally take her down, though. She would not stand a chance against Vita. (laughs) Think of the things Vita would say if she had Facebook about her mother. (laughs) My mom going to work at the it restaurant It really again. is the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and in the beginning, how Mildred's talking to Bert, and she's like, if you ever lay a hand on her, and then Vita's the one to slap Mildred. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. On the steps, and she, I love how Joan is just so taken aback in that moment, because all Vita needs, I think, is a slapping. The way she is so stuck up, and how Bert is also, like, you buy her all these dresses, where is this money coming from? She is... The worst of the worst. And poor Mildred just goes along with it and wants her approval. Mm -hmm. And I don't think blaming Kit's death on her is right at all. I thought when I was watching the movie, that was going to be a point of contention in the divorce that she could be like, she was under, she was with you when this happened. Mm -hmm. And that would be why he would agree to the divorce, which wasn't the case, but sad, nonetheless, awful the the whole old school oxygen <laughs> inflatable thing they put her in i don't know about <laughs> that it seemed very old school medicine but oh my god yeah it's that part always scares me cuz it's like it's so sad too because that little girl is so sweet and just so fun and playful mm-hmm. and then of course like she's not to be like vita should die but like she's stuck with vita and she doesn't get this like wonderful little girl and It's just really, really sad, the tragedy that befalls Mildred and her family. But yeah, when she gets pneumonia and they put her in that room with the doctor and the nurse and she has that like covering, like tent, like you were describing, that always freaks me out. makes me really sad when I watch it. But yeah, I think with Vita getting to her for a second, I feel like we're going to be talking about so many lines that she says in the movie. But the craziest ones to me is when she has this almost monologue to her mother and she says with this money I can get away from you from you and your chickens and your pies and your kitchens and everything that smells of grease I can get away from this shack with its cheap furniture and this town and its dollar days and its women that wear uniforms and its men that wear overalls horrible horrible (laughs) but even worse than that you think just because you made a little money you can get a new hairdo and some expensive clothes and turn yourself into a lady But you can't because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. It makes me so sad, too, because, like, Mildred really does love her daughter and will do 
anything for her Mm -hmm. throughout the movie and she is just such an ungrateful brat Mm -hmm. yeah it really shows a divide between the generations and this probably Mm -hmm. plays to a little bit of the wartime hysteria but like it is so unfair to mildred and she gets her comeuppance in the end but the fact that mildred has this aspiration she opens her own business her own restaurant and gets what she wants but it all goes away because she's trying to please her daughter and get her these nice things and be with these socially acceptable wealthy people Mm -hmm. seemingly wealthy baragon doesn't have money and he just keeps feeding off of her as well so uh, like to see her dreams crumble because of her is so heartbreaking yeah and it's it's really sad too because like you said you know mildred she's smart and she's savvy and she goes out she starts working for herself and for her family and then she's able to open her own restaurant then she's able to open another restaurant so it's like she's doing things that anyone should be proud of but vita is ruining everything for her and the men in the movie are also just really weak like there is not a a single man in this movie who is helpful or who isn't Mm -hmm. just like trying to scam everyone around them really like even wally is so just like touchy and gross of course like monty is just so (laughs) zachary scott though is the type of actor i feel like who he just has a look about him that I think it really makes sense in this part. Like, he's just very smarmy. At first, I was all for this relationship. Because he is quite attractive, too. Oh, you think so? See, I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. out on him. I don't. I He's not for me. But that's okay. I understand. He has his glamorous beach house and swimming in the water. Like, even he is kind of smarmy when he, like, mm-hmm. derobes her by the beach and like just wants to see her in the bathing suit all of wally's lines are just god awful it's like the worst of every man (laughs) just trying to date her get with her at every turn like she has to go as far as on their drive be like oh i'm not in the mood you know this is just business it's just like it feels so cringy oh so many of his lines too are just gross like there's one about him he's like i'm no wolf about him being the big bad wolf i was like good good god (laughs) please stop he just is so persistent with her but i also love ida that character she's the best Mm -hmm. and i love when she says to him when he's looking at her leave something on me i might catch cold oh i love (laughs) that line it's so good She has so many good lines in the movie, too. Jason, one of our listeners, pointed out a line that is also one of my favorites when she says, personally, Vita's convinced me that alligators have the right idea. They eat their young. (laughs) (laughs) She is the realist. I I love her as a supporting character. Mm -hmm. She's just so smartly written, so smartly played. She's always there. She's always at the restaurant kind of watching what is happening being weary of these men and watching out for mildred and yeah definitely without her i feel like mildred would be grasping at straws did you recognize eve arden from anything any other movies one that she was in much later than i know you've seen 
I don't think so. Oh my gosh. She's Principal McGee in Greece. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize the voice? That's like the the giveaway. She has a very, I think, iconic voice. So uh, yeah. Yeah. If I go back and listen to it, oh wow, that's mm-hmm. cool. And I think just with this movie too, like Joan Crawford, this role is and this win is so important because it's coming at a really interesting time in her career. So she had been with MGM for almost 20 years and then she parted ways with them and her contracts, which was mm-hmm. a major deal because other stars were coming up and were sort of taking roles away from her, like Rear Garson, and no one really knew what to do with her. So she makes this movie with Warner Brothers And at the time, women in their 40s getting roles like this and getting attention for roles like this, it really wasn't happening. So she took a big gamble in leaving MGM in making this movie. And then it really restarted her career, gave her career a second life. So I think that's one of the most important things for sure about Joan Crawford in this movie. And it's such a good example of the importance of studio relationships at that time in Hollywood and a good example of what could happen if you broke away from that and went on your own way. Yeah, and the fact that we're talking about these two movies is kind of funny too because we'll talk about Betty Davis and all about my mother and I just feel that Joan is so much more sympathetic than Betty and she gets to show all of that here. I loved one of her early lines, which kind of sets up the whole movie, which was, I feel like I've lived in this house all my life besides the few hours it took to get married. I never knew any other kind of life. And it's just this suburban take. And you go through so much with her, but she doesn't get hardened by that. And I think that translates into her acting career in her own life as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting to compare her and Betty Davis. You know, we talked about them in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, but... This is a totally different type of vehicle where you get to see Joan by herself leading a film and in a role that I think is one of the most sympathetic, well-written like mother roles that we have, especially mm-hmm. from this time period. And that complicated mother-daughter relationship is, I think the first time I watched it, I just remember being so floored by how evil and venomous Vita was Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to shake Mildred and be like don't you see like this girl is awful you need to cut ties with her but at the same time it's her daughter and all of the complicated feelings that come with that I think make this story and make the film feel so real and true to life in a way Mm -hmm. that a lot of noir films don't feel sometimes Mm mm-hmm yeah, and with the noir part of it and Curtiz, when the movie started, I was hyper aware of maybe finding things that I didn't like with Casablanca here, like repeated. And I didn't really feel that. I felt the structure worked, the whole murder part. The only line we get is his dying word is Mildred. So it's like, did she do it? Did he miss her? And then we see her potentially about to commit suicide and... It's such a simple yet complex way to introduce her character and try to get into her head. Definitely. And I think, too, another interesting point about Monty that I just remembered is that one of the things about this is that in her relationships with men, it's important to think about how he 
made her feel desirable. Like he was sort of this late in life sexual awakening for her and how a lot of times that is important to women's pictures, definitely. But it also, the way that it plays into film noir, because she's not really a femme fatale character. So Mm -hmm. it kind of subverts your expectations with what you would think would be coming based on the noir characteristics of other parts of the film. So I think that that aspect of it is really interesting too. And then how Monty and Vita really are so similar in their ways. So Mildred is sort of caught with two people who want to just take and take from her. And that makes it, I think, even more more tragic. But did you like this movie better than Casablanca? I don't think it has the lasting power of Casablanca. I like that it was nominated for Best Picture, and I don't necessarily think it should have won. I mean, it didn't, but no, I would still say I like Casablanca more, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, wanted to check. I mean, I, I really like both of them, so... I wouldn't have judged you if you said you liked (laughs) Mildred Pierce more. I was just curious. I think in terms of performance, I like Joan more out of... Than Ingrid? I guess anybody. Yeah, I mean, Ingrid is great, though. It's it's interesting to compare them. Because it was also funny, like, Wally's bar felt like a cop on the blue parrot as well. Mm. Well, I mean, there was a parrot. I was like, oh, it's kind of cute. Yeah, I think I actually think that the noir elements of Mildred Pierce are more successful than the noir touches in Casablanca. Part of that is because I don't think Casablanca is trying to be a noir in any way, but you can start mm-hmm. to see him play with those little touches along with Arthur Edison, his cinematographer there. You can see his interest there, which I think is pretty cool, then that this really becomes his first true film noir. And this one was shot by Ernest Holler. He was really close with Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, which is Mm. funny. So (laughs) I love these little Hollywood stories that Mm -hmm. pop up. But he also shot Jezebel, which is a Betty Davis movie, and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh, wow. Most notably, though, Gone with the Wind. Okay. Max Steiner was also back for this one with the score, like Casablanca and Gone with the Wind. So yeah, I think I think this one is really well made. It holds up. It's a fun watch. I think even though it's hard to see these things happen to Mildred, I love watching the conflict. And I do love the ending. I think the ending is really smart. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? It would definitely be Best Actress for Joan Crawford. I feel like she completely owns this movie. She has a like a sturdiness, but also It's a very delicate performance at the same time. She really balances all of the facets of Mildred as a character. And I I think it's a great Best Actress win. If you're looking at the list of all of the winners, not just because of the performance, but also because of where it fell in her career and what it meant to her career. So I would have to say Joan Crawford. What about you? Yeah, my answer would also be Joan. I think she's so deserving. She just embodies this role really well. And you know, through all of the relationships that she has with her daughters, her husbands, ex-husbands, and at the restaurant. She's just really heartfelt. You feel everything that she's going through. And yeah, I'm glad this was her her only win. Okay, so getting into All About My Mother from 1999. Description here. 
A single mother in Madrid sees her only son die on his birthday as he runs to seek an actress's autograph. Beside herself with grief, she returns to Barcelona to tell the boy's father about the death of the son he never knew he had. This was directed by Pedro Almodovar. It stars Cecilia Roth, Marisa Paredes, Antonia San Juan, and Penelope Cruz. This won one Oscar for foreign language film. This is, God, it's such a complex film. Mm -hmm. It's doing so much. And I think this is Almodovar's best work. And it's one of his, I mean, earlier works at this point, we could talk about like 20 different things. We could talk about the women Mm -hmm. and the relationships or the transgender characters, how femininity and masculinity coincide and differ. And and I think it's interesting in this movie how all of the men are so separate from the women. The women are all complex. They have all of these things going on. They're actresses, they're mothers, they're sisters, they're friends, and the men... Like, the father has dementia or amnesia. Her husband or ex-husband is now a woman. So there are just so many layers and depths that he gets at in 100 minutes. And it is just fascinating to watch go down, let alone, like, all about Eve and the movie references and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So what do you think about this movie? Had you seen it before? Yeah, I, I love this movie. This is my favorite Almodovar film. And I mean, I I love a lot of his films, but this one, I just remember seeing it and being really floored by it, by the colors, by the intertextual references, and just by how much this man loves women and takes care of his women in his films, whether it's his actresses or his characters, and really, I think, allows them to be really really complex and complicated they're not just like when you think of mothers in film sometimes you just think of someone who like cares for their children or the role itself can feel like the director or the writer maybe they're not giving enough attention to to the multitudes that women in those roles have and in this movie it's not just about being a mother as you think of it it's about not being a mother in a traditional sense. It's about being pregnant. It's about losing a child. It's about other types of motherly relationships that don't necessarily have to mean a mother and her biological child, which I think is really, really what stands out for me in the movie. I saw it for the first time, actually, last year. I was in London, and it was playing at the Prince Charles Cinema. They were doing an Almodovar retro and I hadn't seen it before. So I, I thought, you know, what better way to see it than on the big screen for the first time. And it did not disappoint. I was mm-hmm. not just really teary and emotional by the melodrama, but I think this movie is hilarious, too. Like, the comedy is really good. It takes you down so many different paths. It's just a very beguiling movie. And I think you, in the two times that I've seen it now, I've gotten something different out of it each time. So yeah, I love it. I think it's it's fantastic. I guess we should start at the end because I love his final line that he has on screen. So it says, To Betty Davis, Gina Rollins, Romy Schneider, all the actresses who have played actresses, to all the women that act, to the men that act and become women, to all who wish to become mothers, to my mother. And his mom had just passed away. 
when this film had premiered and before it had gone to Cannes. So there's so much emotion in this movie for Pedro. And it's really fascinating how he gets to channel that energy into all these characters. So in the Criterion, they have these little articles. And one of them was a letter that he published in the newspaper. It's called The Last Dream. And it's about his mother recounting this storm in his dream that she was having a couple hours before she passed away. But in there, he says that she taught him that reality needs fiction to be lived more fully. And I think that's a distinct style that he uses in all of his films. But this idea of a blurred reality kind of sets up how his narrative structures work in his films, and especially here, where we have this really intense mother-son relationship, and then the son passes away, and then she is sent really running away from her problems and from the men in her life, but in turn ends up finding these other women. Uma, this actress who literally her name means smoke, and she said she started smoking because of Betty Davis, and then her stage partner Nina, who is also her girlfriend, and then Agrado, this sex worker that they had been friends years ago. So they rekindle this friendship as well. And then we meet Penelope Cruz, who is this nun who gets pregnant and learns that she's HIV positive. So really the the highlight of the movie for me is in there's a scene where they're all together. They're all talking and just bonding over their experiences together. And yeah, I think that Pedro can capture all of this. It just enhanced my viewing of the movie as it went on. Yeah, I love that scene too. And I, I think another thing I love about his movies, it's that's interesting that you mentioned that about the, the letter and his own relationship with his mother. And I've always gotten the sense from his films, and especially in this one, but also in Volver, which we've talked about before, how he really loves magical realism. And he isn't afraid to sort of view magic and color and like mysticism sometimes as just another aspect of everyday life, especially for the women in his movies. And another thing that I really love, love about him is that he's just never judgmental towards the women in the movies and like their emotions and what they're experiencing like with each other. He allows them to be every possible version and to, of themselves and to feel every feeling all the way through, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I feel like that's that's pretty rare for filmmakers, especially for men talking about women and making movies about women. You might not expect that necessarily, but he embraces women for everything that they can bring to a film good and bad and it's not just black and white it's the gray it's everything in between and he uses so many beautiful visual touches to accent Mm -hmm. the feelings that they have so like the rain and those bleeding colors and all of the reds and the pinks that he uses and the oranges i feel like make this movie pop in another way and it's always one of my favorite things about his films how he uses the color red yeah obviously the iconic backdrop of uma's face on the side of the theater and the mother standing Mm -hmm. in front of it and again there are different portrayals of motherhood but then also uma playing in a streetcar named desire which has this other meta aspect to their relationships and you know the son dying 
partly because of the show and Manuela having performed it years ago. And that's why she knew all the lines and could do it at a moment's notice. So yeah, just everything is connected. And I love how the All About Eve storyline comes Mm -hmm. into being, you know, as a a big fan of that film. But again, it's that sort of playfulness that he allows, you know, all about Eve to interact with a streetcar named Desire. And it never feels forced. It feels just like it's, it's part of the world of the film. And I also just really love, again, you know, thinking about how this movie is dedicated to not just all mothers, but to his mom, how in the movie... When Esteban writes all about my mother in the Mm -hmm. notebook, it sort of feels like Almodovar is connected to this Esteban character who's tragically killed, but then whose mother has to find a way to live life without him. So it's like, it's kind of this beautiful reversal of what Almodovar is going through at the same time and contemplating like what his mother has left to him, which is just really beautiful. But yeah, I, I love, I love that. I think that's just like very, very special. And to be able to think about your mother that way. I mean, I love when, you know, he writes it in the notebook and then he's writing it straight onto the lens of the camera. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is what we're watching. Mm -hmm. And that plays with the magical realism again. Is it like, is this all in, his head like this story that he fabricated is it real Mm -hmm. or fiction and like the idea that after he has gone that maybe then he becomes an even greater part of his mother's life because she then is living the life that he imagined for her it's like very deep and beautiful Mm -hmm. oh i love it it's more than i expected when i started it there was a lot to interpret at first and then Mm -hmm. once you get into it like at times they introduce all about eve really early on and Mm -hmm. this connecting factor between them like they watch movies together with dinner and it's just something that they bond over and then later in the movie when she goes on for nina is it like oh is she really eve like is this where we're going but it's not and he so he can inject so many different things into this movie and that's kind of why I love it too yeah and I I love how clear the rules of the movie are when we think about films that you know incorporate magical realism or different tones than what you'd initially expect or you don't know if something is happening in a character's head like thinking about how disconnected and discombobulated we felt during something like Bo is Afraid compared to something like this that just has so much care for the characters and that's so clear in its mm-hmm. tone i feel like it's it's sort of the an- the anti-bo is afraid <laughs> <laughs> with not just how it talks about mothers but with just how it establishes its world and sticks to those rules and when it when it bends the rules a little bit it feels earned and important mm-hmm. well it allows for more conversation and this is not a movie in any way <laughs> I want to compare to Bo's Afraid. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It just came to me. It's just like mom's magical realism. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny, though, because like the panicky Bo is someone I should inherently connect with more than all of these women in a Spanish film. 
but it is absolutely the reverse. Like there's so mm-hmm. much heart and soul that Almodovar puts into these characters that you can understand their stories even if you haven't lived them. You feel Rosa's pain, Penelope Cruz's character, when she learns of her diagnosis or she's passing the park and calls out for the dog and sees her father and he doesn't recognize her and she's bawling. It's like she's so good at this performance, but you feel all of these things that they're feeling. Yeah. It's also just, I mean, the the Rosa character, they're like when we talk about like the different types of like mother and surrogate child relationships, this is a perfect example of that too, right? How Manuela takes Rosa in and cares for her, not in a way that she would her son necessarily, but you get to see how these women can support each other in a time of need and how it feels very much like when any character is struggling in this movie, it feels like it's something that's like communal and collective. And I, it's one of my favorite things about the movie and why I think it's, it's just so smart. And even the things that maybe like aren't as subtle as you would initially think, like the fact that Manuela is an ICU nurse and this whole thing about the mm. heart transplant and figuring that out, that just really works for me. The idea of the the emotion behind that and like wanting to know where her son's organs yeah. went. I can imagine any mother feeling that way, especially one who's connected to that through her profession, like through her career. So on the surface level... It works, and on this deeper, more spiritual level of wanting to find that connection in the similar way that she feels the need to tell Esteban's father about the death and just his existence entirely. I love all of the connections and all of the threads and how they come together in the film. Yeah, I feel like there's an entire other film in that one part of Mm -hmm. her. Again, it's something that I thought we would dive into deeper of her going to find this patient that got her son's heart. Like, I want to explore that. I want Almodovar's vision of Mm -hmm. like them forming this relationship and finding traits in the character of her son or, you know, having some not supernatural, but like odd connection. I feel like Mm -hmm. he could do that really well too. Yeah. It's, there are so many different paths that he could have gone down in this movie that it's Mm -hmm. like there's again there's so much here but he's able to work with this ensemble in such smart ways where you really feel like every single character is well developed even Uma who you don't necessarily I think who is harder to connect with at certain times you still throughout the film like you do feel for her especially when you find out about her own struggles in her life, like with her, um, her partner. And just knowing that she has to carry the fact that this boy died because he, he wanted her autograph. Again, it's like every single character is going through their own thing. And the ways that the other women in the film respond to that, I feel like that's, it's just so, so well thought out. And then there's the Agrado character who... The best. She she is. She was my favorite. Like, she obviously has other struggles. We meet her where she's beaten up by this guy. And Manuela takes her in, cares for her, fixes her up. But by the end of this story, she's explaining to an audience, 
you know, turning into comedy, her own body and her own struggles of her name translating to meaning agreeable, but how she has to look agreeable to society to live. And she's going through all the surgery she's been through and the money it costs. And it seemed like an effective way to uplift her own story, her own self in a way that could absolutely be seen as terrifying had she done that earlier in the film. Yeah, that scene, I love that scene. And it really does catch you by surprise because you don't really know what's going to happen there. It's sort of this this moment that's filled with an unease and an unpredictability. But when this character who we know throughout the film as being, who has been through a lot, yes, but who is very witty and very smart and has this indelible charm and humor to her suddenly get to use that to share her story with the audience it's a great scene and certain times her this character and her line delivery and the situational comedy feels like it's used as comic relief but there's always always more to it and that's why i really really like the agrado character okay and if you could give this movie one oscar what would it be I would give Almodovar the Oscar for original screenplay. I think it's so smartly written. It kind of combines everything that he's doing with the actors. And this wasn't nominated for screenplay. I really think it should have been. I think today it definitely would have been. It could have been like a director picture, screenplay, maybe actress or certain actresses have potential for nominations but this was the year of american beauty and i think it could have gotten in i mean the sixth sense was nominated that's probably what i would swap it out with i think that you know it was early Shyamalan and the fascination with horror with him but i really love the screenplay and i'm excited to revisit it what would you give it i think i would give almodovar it's so tricky because i i love the writing and the direction i also Shout out to Alberto Iglesias, who does the music. He does the music on most of Almodovar's films and had a great score for Parallel Mothers recently. I love the music in this one. Cecilia Roth is fantastic. And Mm -hmm. if this movie came out today, I would be screaming her name from the rooftops to get into actress. (laughs) I think she's incredible throughout the movie. But I think, you know, as much as I love his directorial flourishes and they really work for me in this movie I think I'm also going to go with screenplay because I think the screenplay to weave so many different texts together all of the different themes with his signature visual style and giving so many incredible actresses great parts I feel like I, I have to go with screenplay I think it's it's an incredible writing achievement and definitely should have gotten nominated at the Oscars for more than just international feature like the entire season was only international feature nominations everywhere which is surprising that he won at Cannes for director and the prize of the ecumenical jury which is like an indie award Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean this is an easy director nom for me as well well he also the crazy thing is he won best director at the BAFTAs so it's one of those things where it's like if only We could have started that trend at the Oscars earlier of really recognizing these incredible auteurs from around the world instead of going with 
the option that just tracks with the Oscars that year. Like it just, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things. And you also know though, that I am not an American beauty person. (laughs) Um, And that's okay. So I just, it's like one of those things where I totally would have taken away any American beauty related Oscars (laughs) and would have given them to all about my mother. I mean, or the talented Mr. Ripley, which was another Mm -hmm. favorite Oscar movie from that year for me. But yeah, I think this is a perfect example of how the Academy, I mean, they still need to progress, obviously, but definitely from that time. So that was our episode on Mildred Pierce and All About My Mother. Two great films, amazing performances, and new films for me that I can say were well worth their watches. So if you'd like to watch these, Mildred Pierce is on HBO Max right now, and All About My Mother I think is only available to rent, but it's also on the Criterion Collection. So if you have the Blu-ray or have access to a library, they should have it. Yes. And while you're on Criterions, both of these Criterions are great buys. Just to give the recommendation. So the Mildred Pierce 4K came out really recently. That's the one I have. And it is a beautiful restoration. They're great essays, of course. And same with All About My Mother. So I think these are both, again, great Criterion buys. Okay, so we're going to end the episode with a fun little mom game. We're calling them the Serial Mom Awards, and we'll be giving (laughs) some superlatives for some of our favorite movie moms. I'm so excited. I can't wait to do this. (laughs) I guess starting out with your first idea, which was movie mom, most like your own mom. I have to say Sally Field. I had to include Sally Field somewhere, and I think her Mm -hmm. performance in Spoiler Alert was... Not only like heartbreaking, but it made me think about my mom a lot. So yeah, this is this one was special for me. Oh, I really, really love that. That's <laughs> that's so sweet. So my mom, it's so funny. Like there are a lot of movie moms that remind me a lot of my own mom. So anything with Diane Keaton, my mom has you've met my mom before. She <laughs> yeah. has like a similar eccentric energy uh-huh. <laughs> to her that Diane Keaton has. And just like the way that my mom dresses, which is sort of influenced the way that I dress, which was, I think, influenced by the way that Diane Keaton dressed. So, like, Diane as Erica and Something's Gotta Give. I mean, not that she is juggling Keanu and Jack Nicholson in her life, but they just have a lot of similar <laughs> qualities. I also have to say, so mine's kind of a combination of three. Diane Keaton in really anything, but especially Something's Gotta Give. Marion McPherson in Lady Bird. My mom, every time she drops me off at the airport when I go home, she always texts me that she has her Marion moment when she's leaving the airport because she gets sad that I've gone back to New York. And honestly, also, my mom is a marmy in Little Women. Totally. Like the conversations that she has with Joe, I feel like are similar to conversations I've had with my mom. Cute. Um, Okay. Next we have scariest movie mom. Um, I wonder if we have the same answers. Maybe. So I have, I have two, or no, I have three. One, I just watched Coraline for the first time. Absolutely Stop. loved it. It's great. Yeah, I also love Coraline. <laughs> and the other mom is terrifying. Mm-hmm. When she turns into that like spider witch, oh my god. So that's one of them. That's not the one that probably we would match. <laughs> I don't have her on my list, Okay, sadly. But I would also say Tony Collette from Hereditary, mm-hmm. obviously. If your mother's going to set you on fire, run. And then also Piper Laurie from Carrie. Yeah. 
So I have two here. I have Piper Laurie from Carrie, obviously, because that performance destroyed me when I was a child. I've told the story many times, but she's so scary in that movie. Mm-hmm. Again, like if you're trying to kill your child and you have candles and religious statues everywhere, I'm terrified. Like it's just a scary movie. Like De Palma knew what he was doing with that Catholic imagery and mm-hmm. Piper Laurie's performance. I agree with you on Tony Collette and Hereditary. I, though, here included Beth Jarrett from Ordinary People, the Mary Tyler Moore mother, who I think she's not scary in like a horror movie sense, but just that particular type of Midwestern cold mom who wants to just Mm -hmm. dissociate entirely and who doesn't want to be in the same room as her child, who won't allow herself to feel things, who recoils at any physical touch from her child. I don't think she's a villain, though. I think I've been on the record saying that. I think she's a very complicated character, but she terrifies me, especially when she shoves the French toast down the garbage disposal. Okay, my next one I have to mention because it has mom partially in the title is Susan Sarandon from Stepmom. I guess this is like a saddest mom award or like most heartbreaking depiction of one because... Not only her and her acceptance of her diagnosis and what's happening, but also how her relationship with the Julia Roberts character deepens is so heartwarming. So this movie still gets me. I think I watched it a year or two ago and I hadn't for a long time and it still just wrecks you. Mm -hmm. But it's beautiful too and how it depicts motherhood. I would say my like heartfelt or like sad mom portrayal answer that's also one of my favorite movie moms i know you love barbara stanwick now have you seen stella dallas yet no but you know that's on plenty of top movie moms lists and my god i need to watch i heard this is awful she should have won an oscar for it just full stop i mean i would have been fine with irene dunn in the awful truth too because i love her but louise reiner the good earth, the Oscar needs to be snatched (laughs) and given to the Barbara Stanwyck estate because what Barbara Stanwyck does in this movie is absolutely heartbreaking. The love that she has for her daughter and there are two scenes. There's one scene when she accidentally embarrasses her daughter, but the big scene that people talk about is the scene at the end, which I'm not going to spoil for you, but it Mm -hmm. involves her standing outside looking in at her daughter through a window crying it just it destroys me and it's one of the great movies about motherhood and mom performances i think that we have another great sad mom performance i mean i have to mention both deborah winger and shirley mclean in terms of endearment play very different types of moms but who are both just amazing in that movie would have loved a best actress tie And Viola Davis in Doubt. I think just in that eight minutes of screen time, you really understand so much about that character and Mm -hmm. what she believes like her role as a mother to be and the relationship with her son and how she sees his future. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I thought of both of those. I knew you would pick Ordinary People and Terms of Endearment. So I stayed away from those. I had to. (laughs) And I thought of Viola. It's, God, that role is just so complex and not what i expected it to be 
Yeah, it still makes you think. The next one I had was Funniest Mom. This is Amy Poehler for Mean Girls. It's kind of basic, but she's not a normal mom. She's a cool mom. Um, okay, Frances McDormand in Almost Famous. <laughs> I love her in this movie and think she's just hilarious as Elaine Miller trying to figure out what her kids are doing and how she's going to deal with everything with William like going off and being this like music journalist even though he's in high school technically and like she she sort of she doesn't approve of what her children are doing but she's still like a very loving mother nonetheless and very very funny okay and my last one i have a few for this is most badass mom one mrs incredible from the incredibles love it elastigirl she can do anything next one jackie weaver from animal kingdom yes like do not mess with her she runs everything oh this is still like one of my favorite performances of all time and then the titular mother from mother the bong joon ho film Mm. just the have you seen this yes i have a long time ago though Mm -hmm. just the lengths that she goes to prove her son is innocent is enough to celebrate mother's day in itself it just goes there and i think bong joon ho did it perfectly okay for badass mom i have a few um uma thurman and kill bill yes <laughs> maybe the gold standard for this answer i would also say uh, michelle yo as evelyn in everything everywhere all at once just as an action star and then you know my last answer i don't know if it really fits in here because she wouldn't want to be considered a mom but i feel like i have to put lydia tar somewhere I mean, was she waiting. <laughs> yeah. should should have waited for Father's Day, really. But you know, going to going up to Petra's bully on the playground mm-hmm. and scolding her in German. There's nothing better than that. We love movie moms and movie dads. Yeah, I think Lydia Tarr. That's the best way to end this segment and this episode. <laughs> it always comes back to Lydia Tarr. <laughs> Well, that was our episode on movie moms and two incredible movies about motherhood and movie moms, Mildred Pierce and All About My Mother. Next time on Oscar Wilde, we'll be back with another installment of Maine Dunaway. This one will be previewed on our main feed and on Patreon, looking into some of her campiest roles, including, of course, Mommy Dearest and others. Yeah, I had fun with these films today, continuing our mommy theme with Mommy Dearest. I'm so excited. (laughs) I think this is where Faye shines best and brightest is in all of these camp features. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about these. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Oscar Wilde Pod and also at Patreon for bonus content at patreon.com slash Oscar Wilde. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 